Well, good morning. It's great to see all of you today. And uh, if you do have your Bible, let's take it and turn with me to the second to last book of the Bible, the little book of Jude. And we're going to have a little Bible study this morning from the book of Jude. And while you're making your way there, I just want to say thank you to Pastor Lytel for this opportunity. And I want to tell you a little bit about myself and my wife. My wife, as the pastor mentioned, is sitting right here on the front row. And uh, she is indeed the better half. And uh, I'm so grateful for it. And I found for myself, there's a reason why it says in the Bible that he that obtaineth a wife, (laughs) that's right, a good thing. And uh, I'm so blessed and so grateful for it. And I just want to tell you that I am thankful for this church, this body of believers, for this pastor and his wife. And because my wife and I came to Fort Myers, Florida in 2000, I came in 2013 and was here just until the almost at the very end of 2014. Well, when we came here to go to FGCU, we were away from God and out of the will of God, clearly, dead right, missing it all. And thank the Lord, I have a mother who's a mighty Christian. As a matter of fact, I'm still convinced today the greatest Christian on planet Earth. And uh, the real deal kind of thing, you know. And she found this church. She knew that Pastor Lytell had always been down there. He was friends with Pastor Morris Wright, and he'd come down and preach, and he'd get the lobster and things with his family. And so there was a connection there already. And she found how close this church was, and she begged us to go. She begged us to go to church. And I'm so thankful that we did. Because when we came here, we found something that completely changed our lives. And that's not just words. Like that, that is the God-honest truth that this church transformed my life and my wife's life. And in four months' time, you think, well, how long does something like that take? God can move rapidly. And in four months, God picked us up and turned us around and did a 180 with us and put us on a completely different path. And I thank the Lord for it. I'll never forget and I'm so thankful that many things never change. And uh, that's, I'm finding that is true of this place because I see the signs in the restrooms. I see the sign on the outside of the restroom that says biological men only. And uh, a lot of good things, you know. When we came here, um, I really needed help. My wife, you know, a lot of times women do a little better than guys, if we're honest. And uh, she was doing a little better than I was. And I really needed help, and the pastor told me some pretty hard things in his office. He told me things the way that he does. He doesn't beat around the bush. He just gave me the truth, and I desperately needed it. And uh, I believed what he was saying was what God wanted me to hear, and I embraced it and tried to apply it. And because of that, I would not be, my wife and I would not be where we are. We would not be doing what we're seeking to do for the Lord if it wasn't for this church. And I just want to publicly say thank you. It's such a blessing. The power of a local New Testament church in action is amazing. It is incredible. And so if you would, if you have your Bible there, in the second to last book, the book of Jude, this is a little book, but I've heard Bible teachers say that it's a little book that packs a big punch, and there's no doubt about that. And um, some people say that the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. That is the, the launching forth of the church of God in the first century, and seeing Christians empowered by the Holy Spirit following the Lord and preaching the gospel, people getting saved, and churches starting all over the Roman Empire. And they say the book of Acts at the beginning of the New Testament is the Acts of the Apostles. Well, we could also say of the book of Jude at the end of the New New Testament that this is the Acts of the Apostates. 
This is the acts of people who have willingly turned away from the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. They deny the truth of the gospel. They deny the truth of the Bible. And this little book was given to us, and it is especially important for each one of us because it's a book that was written to people who were living in the last days. And people all the time ask, they say, are we living in the last days? I don't know. (laughs) I can't give you the answer, but I can tell you this. When I read the Bible and I read what the descriptions are of what God said it's going to be like in the last days, it seems a lot like what we read about on the news, what we see in headlines. And um, the Bible says no man knows but God, but it appears that way to many of us, doesn't it? And so this little book of Jude was written to people who were living on the edge. People who were living on the edge, not on the edge of a cliff. As the pastor mentioned, I've lived in Knoxville for the last eight years, and coming from Key West, Florida, the, uh, the highest mountain I had ever seen was a mountain of trash in Stock Island, about 18 feet above sea level there. And uh, that was the biggest mountain I'd ever seen. So we moved to Knoxville, and people there are literally living on cliffs. I thought, these people are crazy. And you find houses literally built right outside of mountains, and they're living on the edge. Well, this little book of Jude was written to people who are living on the edge of eternity. People who at any moment, without a, without a moment's notice, the Lord Jesus Christ can return to this earth to receive all of those who've been born again, all of his children, in a period of time like this earth has never seen before. The period of time known as the tribulation, which the pastor was speaking about some of those things just now, will begin. And the wrath and the judgment of God will be unleashed on a God-rejecting world. And so we are living on the edge. You are living on the edge. You ever thought about yourself like that? Someone who lives on the edge? Well, you are. This is one of the most exciting times to ever be alive. I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but I do know this. I know that we are the people who are nearer to the return of Christ than any other generation before. Think about that. And God has chosen you. He's chosen myself. He's chosen for a church like the Gospel Baptist Church to exist in this time in these difficult times. And so I'd like for us to do a little Bible study on this subject this morning from the book of Jude. Living right in a wrong world. Living right in a wrong world. Because that's what we find in this book of Jude. And we won't take the time to read it. I'd encourage you to do that. It's a rather short book. There's just 25 verses. But what you're going to find is the work of these apostates. The work of these people that the Bible said are men who have crept in unawares. You know, in the last days, the greatest threat, the greatest evil is not going to come from people on the outside of the Christian faith who are attacking, not from atheists who say, there is no God. The Bible is not these things. The greatest attack actually comes from people on the inside, people who've never been born again. They have a lifeless religion. They're caught in the mechanics of it, and they keep all the externalities, and and they maintain a pattern of good works and good behavior, but inside, right smack down in the middle of them, they're dead. They've never received the eternal life of Jesus Christ, and these people are, are among us, and in the end times, we find that more and more of them are going to be people who deny the deity of Christ, who reject the word of God. And their works are, are, are put on display in the book of Jude. But I want us to pick up reading in verse number 17, if you have it there. You can follow along. And we're talking about living right in a wrong world. Living right in a wrong world. So verse number 17, we're coming to God is turning the corner in this book of the Bible. 
he's turning the corner. He's been dealing with all of the apostates. He's been dealing with the darkness. May I say this? Would you look this way? In the first 16 verses, this is what he's dealing with. He's dealing with a world that is literally falling apart. A world that is coming apart at the seams. You read the things that are happening there and you think, this is terrible. And then you think about the world that we're living in. It's this world. It's coming apart. I mean, things that at one time you never would have thought would ever be mentioned or accepted. Now they're not only normalized, they're popularized. They're being paraded everywhere. And you know, South Florida is a little bit more ahead than some of the other places where I've been recently. I've spent eight years in Knoxville, and it's getting bad there too. I mean, the things of the world, the flesh and the devil are having their way, no doubt. But down here in South Florida, it seems almost like they got a head start on some of the things. And, and the popularization of things that are anti-God and anti-the Bible and anti-Jesus Christ. And so he deals with those things, but he turns the corner now. And he seeks to get the attention of believers in verse 17. And so let's look at it together. The Bible says in verse 17, But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. And here what he does is he really unmasks who these evil workers are. He really reveals who they are for us. He tells us these people that are, that are spreading false teachings and false practices, these apostates who are having their way in these last days, I love this. God always makes things so simple. We overcomplicate everything. You know, even just getting dressed in the morning, we think, you know, you open up the closet, you open up the drawer, and we make things so much more difficult than they need to be. But God always brings things to simplicity. He brings them to such clarity. And he simply says this in verse 19. These be they, God said, I will tell you who these workers are who are having their way in these last days. These be they who separate themselves. They don't like to identify with God's people in the world. He says they're sensual. They're driven by the lust of the flesh. All they're driven by is temporary desires and pleasures. But here is the distinguishing thing. Notice what it says. It says, comma, and then it says, having not the Spirit. He said, if you want to know the truth, they've never been born again. They've never been saved. That's their trouble. And so he's dealing with these things. And then in verse 20, he says again, but, once again, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And so here in these few verses, God gives us really the Christian's job description in the last days. He gives us instructions on how do you live right in a world that is wrong. You know, if we're not, if we're not careful, we will get so caught up and keep our eyes on all that is wrong. And we will grow discouraged and depressed and disillusioned. You think, this world is falling apart. Well, let me ask you this question. What did we expect the world to do? They don't have the Lord Jesus in them. All they have is a fallen nature. All they have is the world, the flesh, and the devil. They have lust within and lures all around them, leading them into this temptation. The world has gone wild. You read Romans chapter 1 of the perverse things that were taking place, and it's like, that's today, isn't it? But 
what could we expect? There are some things in this world that we cannot change. We can never change them. But you know something? There are some things that you can change. And that's our own selves. That's our own lives. And here, God encourages us to know something. You can live right in a world that is wrong. I'll never forget I read this in something, it was a commentary written by someone about 1 Corinthians. And if you know anything about the church at Corinth, it was a church that was dealing with a lot of carnality, a lot of sin. And this this certain person wrote, and he said this, he said that ships are made to go in deep waters. He said, it doesn't matter how much water is around the ship, ships were made for that. He said, the trouble is, is when the water begins to get in the ship, now you've got a real problem. And Christians were made to thrive in a world of sin. We can handle this. We, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have a God who's the overcoming God who has redeemed us and saved us and given us a purpose and is calling us to live right. The trouble is not the evilness of the world. The trouble is we must get thoroughly right with God. We must get our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and build our lives on the Bible. And so very quickly here, he just gives us some instructions about how we can live right. You can't help your neighbor live right. You can't help the kind people sitting next to you, the people across the street, but there is one person that you do have control of. And if together, each one of us work to do what we can to be true followers of Jesus Christ in these days, we will see God do what we cannot do. That's make a difference. And so there's just three things. You may want to write them down. The first thing we find here is a call to live right. There's a call. In verse 17, the Bible says, but beloved. And then in verse 20, again, you see the same language, this conjunction. He says in verse 20, but ye. In other words, he's turning the corner. It's like he's drawing a line in the sand. And we didn't take the time to do it. But in the first 16 verses, he paints a picture of this world that is falling apart. And, and, and these evil workers and what they're doing. And then you come to verse 17 and look right here. He says, but... In other words, it's like he's drawing a line in the sand. He says, but ye, those of you who are saved, those of you who are children of God, things must be different for you. But I know the way the world is going, but you're not a part of the world. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. And so there's a call for us to live right. God says, but ye. You know, Christians are supposed to be different than the world. We're supposed to live different. We, we believe different things. We have a different God. The God of this world is the devil. Our God is the God of heaven and earth. But we're not supposed to look the same and speak the same and go to the same places and do the same thing. It's supposed to mean something. It's supposed to mean something to be a child of God and to be called the children of God, the people of God in this world. And God says, but, but I know the world is falling apart. I know things you thought you would never see are happening everywhere and be parade. He says, but. I'm drawing a line, but as for you, I'm calling you to a certain way of life. I'm calling you to live right in a world that is wrong. I want to read to you a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. The Apostle Paul is writing here to a group of people, and he reminds them about this calling that they have. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Bible says this, very strong language, strong language. It says, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, 
shall inherit the kingdom of God. That's frightful language. But notice what he says in verse 11. And such were some of you. Can you believe that? It's like he's pointing around. You're thinking all those people he's talking about. He says, don't forget, that's who you were. All of those things, that was the things that were a part of our life. But I want you to notice what he says now. And such were some of you, but ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. You know what he's saying? We have been saved. We've been sanctified. Our sins have been washed away. We are different. And so we are called to live different. You know, the call is going out to all Christians. God says, live right in a world that is wrong. Never mind what's happening all around. You determine to be true to God and his word. You determine that you're going to build your life on the Bible and be true to God and his church and spreading the gospel. We've been called. All of us have. The trouble is this. It's not the calling. The calling is still the same. We're being called to be separate, to live a holy life. The trouble is, is not many people are answering the call. <laughs> They're silencing it, putting it on vibrate. You know, it's a little fuzzy. I can't, I'm not really making it out. But the only way that God's work is going to move forward in these, these risky, perilous times, these last times, is if there's just a group of people who are the people of God. Not all the people. They're going to carry on and do the only thing they know to do. But we who are the people of God must determine we're going to answer the call. We're going to rise to the challenge living on the edge, and we're going to live right in a world that is wrong. God is calling us to it. Not only that, but I want you to notice the cost, the cost of it. If you're like my wife at all, and like most people today, you're always looking for a bargain. <laughs> She's a professional bargain hunter, you know, always looking for a discount and a sale. I thank God for that. And, um, but people are always looking for a discount, you know, buy one, get one free or half off. May I say this? There's no discount in following the Lord Jesus. You don't get being a true follower of Christ. You don't get living right in a wrong world at a discount price. There's no 50% off. You say, what does it cost? What exactly does this cost to do this? What are you asking me to do? Well, in Matthew chapter 16, the Lord tells us, if you would turn there with me to Matthew chapter 16, he gives us a little clue. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And he tells us something about the cost of following him. There it is. In Matthew chapter 16, in verse number 24, the Lord Jesus is speaking and he says this. Matthew 16, 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples. Remember who he's speaking to, to his disciples. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, the Bible says. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. You say, what does it cost? I mean, this sounds good. I want to live right. I want to be one of God's people in these last days, sticking with the stuff, standing on the word of God, standing up and speaking up, being what is right for myself and my family, this community. What does it cost? There's no discount. We're following a savior that this world has rejected. Some people have tried to talk about, and I even heard recently, they said, well, Jesus Christ, the superstar. My Bible doesn't say that. My Bible says when Jesus came to this world, they killed him and put him on a cross. They killed him. And you're following someone that this world has rejected. How many of you are believers? Would you raise your hand? You've been born again. You've received the gift of eternal life. Well, did you know your savior, the one who gave his life to save you, this world rejects him. And if we're following him, you know what that means? 
they reject us. You say, what does it cost? It costs the whole life. It costs dying to self, not saving your life, not living according to what you want and your desires and your goals and plans. It costs giving your life to God, saying, Lord, I don't have a lot. It's just me. You know me. You made me. You've helped me. You've been with me. You've been guiding me. But what I have, I give it to you. And trusting the Lord to use us in these last days. And so you see the call and you see the cost. Now, very quickly, let's look at the course. How does it happen? We see we've been called to do it. We see what it costs. If you turn back into the little book of Jude, there's just four words. I'd like for you, if you're in the habit of doing this, you can just write a little underline under these four words. There are four action words that we find in verse number 20 and 21, just four of them. The first one is this, building, the Bible says. And then in verse 20, it says praying, the Bible says. In verse 21, it says keep. And then in verse 21, it says looking. You see those there with me? How many of you see those words right there? It says building, praying, keep, looking. This is the course. This is how it's done. You say, how do you actually do it? What does it look like? Here's God's instruction. So simple. Number one, he says this, you must build up yourselves on your most holy faith. You know what he says? If we want to live right in a world that is all wrong, we must build ourselves up on our most holy faith. You know what that means? To build your life on the Bible. That's what it means. It means the teachings that you find in the word of God, you, you turn them into the foundation of your life. You begin making decisions that are godly decisions based on the Bible. In the book of Acts, we won't turn there, but you may want to write this reference down. In Acts 20 and verse 32, the Bible says that I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. So here he says, you want to live right in a wrong world, then you need to build yourself up on your most holy faith. Then you turn to the book of Acts and it says the Bible is able to build you up. You know what he's saying? We must build our life on the Bible. This is the time now than more than ever, no matter how young or how seasoned and experienced, this is a time to get well acquainted with your Bible. We know the pastor and the preachers, they've got the Bible. We, we know the, the Sunday school teachers and, and those leading the ministries. We expect them, oh, you ought to know your Bible. You ought to get up and be able to explain the things of God to us. That's not what the God is saying. He's saying the call that has gone to everyone in these last days is you, we need to build ourselves up on our most holy faith. This is a time for all of God's children to have answers, to be ready to give an answer. And that comes from studying the Bible. How many books are in the Bible? Would you shout it out? There's 66. There's an Old Testament. There's a New Testament. Well, you know, in all 66 books of the Bible, there are specific things that God wants to teach us about himself. And so when we neglect any part of the Bible, we're neglecting something that God desires for us to know about himself. This is what we to give our lives to. There are people who, who are plumbers. They give their life to their trade. They learn their study. There's people who are sportsmen and athletes, and they give their, themselves to learning how to get the most out of their body. There's builders and bankers and businessmen and teachers and educators. We're Christians. This is our thing to get to know. Every Christian, we build ourselves in it. We study it. We, we, we seek to know what has God said so I can live it. What has God said so I can believe it? What has he said so I can make it known to other people in these last days when the world is going wrong? He says, build yourself up on your most holy faith. The second thing he says is praying in the Holy Ghost. All of us know this is a big place where we lack. At least I know that's the case for myself. It's so difficult. It's so easy when things are going a certain way and you want to see things go different. It's so easy, at least for me, it's so easy to just rush right into it. 
to jump in and say, well, let me see what I can do. (laughs) But the truth is I can't do what this world needs. I can't save a soul. I can't fix a family. I can't grow your faith. I can't give victory, but I can pray and God can do all those things. He says in these last days, this ought to be a time when Christians, Christian people begin to get very serious about their prayer life, making prayer lists, prayer regularly, trusting God to do what only God can do. He says, thirdly, keeping yourselves in the love of God. This is the most difficult one. Look what it says there in verse 21. Is he saying that we need to keep ourselves in a place so that God will keep loving us? Is that what he says? It says this, and keep yourselves in the love of God. Does that mean that there's things we have to do in order for God to keep loving us? No. In Romans chapter 8, it says nothing can separate us from the love of God. Once you've been saved, God will never change his mind about you. He has saved you and washed away your sins. He's with you and he loves you. But you know what you have to do? You have to work at keeping yourself in the love of God. It's sort of like this. You know, the sun is always shining. It's shining all day long. It's there. But there are times when the sunshine is hidden, isn't it? You may be walking in a street or you may be walking somewhere in a mall complex and you're under trees or a shaded bush and the effects of the sun are not affecting you at that moment. It gets a little chilly. The wind starts to blow. You think, man, I know the sun is shining. I'm sure not feeling it though. And you know what you have to do? Stay in the sunshine. <laughs> Get out of the shade. Get into the sunshine. And you know what Christians have to do? Stay in the love of God. Keep yourself reminded of the great love of God. Because you know what this world will do? Would you look at me really fast? I know that you know what this world is going to do. Look right here, please. It's going to try to suck you dry. It wants to take what you have, but they can't take it. So what they want to do is take the effects of it. They want you to be miserable, grumpy, angry, bitter. But Christians keeping themselves in the love of God are full of the joy of the Lord. There's nothing more powerful on earth than a joyful Christian. A Christian walking around with a smile full of the life of God in them. That's powerful. But you know what? If you're like me, that doesn't just happen when you wake up. You've got to do something. You've got to keep yourself in the love of God. Keep what Christ has done for you. Keep keep reminding yourself, I'm a child of God. I'm one of the but ye beloved ones who've experienced the love of God in Christ Jesus. We must do that to live right in a wrong world. And here's the last thing. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. You want to know the greatest thing that's going to help us live right as this world's falling apart? It's, no, it's not a guessing game. It, it, it's, it's not a, this is not a secret to any one of us. The world is falling apart. I haven't spent much time in Bonita Springs for the last eight years, but if it's anything like Knoxville, if it's anything like Key West where I've been for the last three weeks, it's falling apart. It's coming apart at the seams. Those who seem to stand true, the things that seem to be in place, they're all crumbling. People are turning. And you say, This is what's happening. What can I do? God writes to us in a little book just before the revelation. The little book of Jude, the hallway to the revelation of Jesus Christ. For those living on the edge, any moment Jesus can return to earth, he says, this is how you do it. This is the call. This is the cost. This is the course. We must be looking for the return of Jesus Christ. Did you know Jesus Christ is coming again? I'm talking about this same Jesus, the Bible said. One day he's going to show up. And all the atheists are going to become professors. But it's going to be too late. But he is coming again. And it's a transformative truth. Live every day looking to the skies. Looking, is this the day, Lord, that you're coming? It's living right in a wrong world. It's what God has called us to do. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we love you. And I have so much gratitude, Lord, you know, in my heart for this church. And what these people mean the faithfulness that they have exhibited to you and for this pastor 
I pray that you'd richly bless them. May you guide them and use them to be difference makers. Help them to live right in this wrong world, in this wrong community, that we may shine as lights for thee in these last days. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.